Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the Liberty Movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. everybody welcome in to episode eight of cell liberty i am your host jeremy todd and i am so excited to be with you today uh it has been a busy few weeks here uh with the crew at cell liberty myself and brian so we wanted to catch up with you guys uh and just talk a little shop so without further ado let's bring in the man brian nichols brian how Is are you sir? jeremy see ya doing good my friend how are you i'm so good man what a crazy couple of weeks i want to tell all the viewers and the listeners thank you for allowing me to have a bit of a sabbatical um if you don't know uh i was actively uh participating in the planning and creation of the azlp uh convention which was no small undertaking it was a three-day event held at a five-star resort we invested nearly thirty thousand dollars which is outlandish for a uh, uh a very small state party to do uh we brought in dave smith we had spike speaking we brought in joe jorgensen uh scott horton was there and delivered the fire uh and so it was just it was there was a lot happening, uh, and so I appreciate everybody giving me the time off. And then I got COVID uh, at the convention, like a good libertarian should. Uh, and uh, it, but of course, everybody in my family is fine. We were down for about a day, uh, and then it was just uh, some time off from work. And so, yeah, man, glad to be back. Uh, it's been a busy 
month for you as well. Tell the good people what you've been up to. Jeremy, I don't know if busy is the right word. It's been just an overwhelming uh, past. Let's be real. It's been the past four months, really. But the past month has been the most insane specifically because I just wrapped up my move to Indiana. So I said yeah. goodbye to the Northeast, got out of Philadelphia and all the insanity that went along with that. Um, it's it's really gotten weird out there, my friend. And, and to see out now in Indiana, just the change in demeanor with the people you talk with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I know I made the right choice, but I too, I also uh, was recovering from COVID there at the beginning of January. Uh, and then you couple that in with uh, two weeks being at the in-laws as we were in between moving out of Philadelphia and into the home in Indiana. Shows have been a little bit on hiatus compared to the traditional seven days a week. I know the audience has grown used to. However, Hey, we're kicking things off as we get started here in February. I know Cell Liberty is launching again. My show's getting back to the daily. We're going to have our, right. our special 10-minute right. solo episodes with some past guests. So I'm excited, my friend. I, and, and you know what? I'm hearing, I don't know about you, um, I'm hearing more and more people talking about the stuff that we've been talking about over at Cell yep. Liberty and at the Brian Nichols Show past year and a half, two years. It's becoming part of the mainstream yep. conversation. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty awesome as I was walking around uh, in my Reed Carnegie shirt at uh, the uh, LP convention. How many people were like, "Oh, you're talking about Dale Carnegie? Oh, have you heard of the Cell Liberty thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've, I've heard a little uh, bit about it." Um, and no, it's yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's pretty exciting. And what is really interesting is that we're talking more about having. Um, productive conversations rather than uh, just spitting out our ideas. Uh, that that was always the the issue and I think a, a lot of the rub where, and, and I talk about this in the, the presentation that we give sometimes at uh, conventions about why does infighting exist? And it's because some people believe the message should be delivered this way, some people believe the message should be delivered this way. And we really have to have an effective <laughs> approach to, uh, to to do things in sort of a multifaceted way. Which is well, and really quick, game. Jeremy, yeah. you know what helps solve that right there is results. I actually posted yeah. this over on the Cell Liberty page today is that you see a lot of training focused on the features, the benefits, the things, but not a lot of training focused on the results, the outcome, yeah. right? And yeah. that's important because if you're focused on the things, which in this case, it's the ideas or the values alone, we're talking about you know just how great our ideas are, how, how we're gonna win in the battle place of ideas, which we, we will inevitably win. But if we're not taking it to the step of actually trying to help show the positive outcomes, show how those yeah. results become tangible, mm -hmm. we're wasting our time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that holds us back that I've been thinking about is, that we, we may have these solutions and these ideas that, but there are a lot of times things that come up in conversation that are important to our coworkers, to our friends, to our family, as we're trying to persuade them over to believe the way and, and think the way that we think to have the principles that we have, um, that we just don't have enough bodies to achieve a realistic result yet. Um, and so we get stuck in that marketplace of ideas. So it's, it's really about, 
having these conversations that can win us the bodies that can start to do the things that are going to achieve results. We're start, I mean, we're seeing some things that are going to to get those results. I think of crypto as one. We're starting to see mainstream catching on to that. Um, some civil disobedience up in Canada, which is awesome to see right now. There are things that are achieving results, but a lot of times there are conversations that our friends will want to have. And we don't necessarily have enough of uh, data or enough bodies to create that result. So uh, I wanted to get into how we can shift that conversation with those people that maybe we don't get to just point to results on and say, here's a different way to think about it. Uh, and, and the topic of framing came up. And one of the things that uh, I always... so. Back when we uh, sold Cutco, <clears throat> which was my first sort of uh, sales job where I where I learned how to do the whole sales process and all that, one of the the rites of passage was we worked with a cookware company, and so the two always kind of went together: the kitchen knives and the cookware. And the kitchen knives were expensive; they were you know a thousand dollars for sort of the first set you pitched. Um, which uh, was was uh, to an 18 year old, you're like, who can spend a thousand dollars on knives? The cookware, <laughs> there are thousand dollars worth being right. spent on knives, right? What? Yeah, all the time. But yeah. there were the the cookware started at 2300, and so it really took a separate training for us to start to even the good salespeople to wrap their head around somebody spending that much money at one point. And I, one of the things that always stuck with me is about how you frame what you're presenting in the conversation. And this was the example they always gave. If I were, so Smart Water, not a sponsor. Uh, if I were to say, Brian- Lines open, by the, the way. <laughs> yeah, right, lines open. What is the value of this Smart Water right here? What would you say? Oh man! If I had to guess, two two dollars and seventy five cents at your local two, Sunoco. Two dollars two seventy five, right? Okay, so I take this same water and I put it in this plastic cup I have sitting around my house at my wet bar, or dry bar, whatever it may be. Now, what is the value? Subjectively less and objectively <laughs> less. It's significantly less, right? It's the same water. The only thing that changed is the frame in which it was presented. Yep. Uh, the product, the outcome is going to be exactly the same, but presenting it in two different frames has completely changed the perception of that product. Jeremy, this reminds me of the Payless shoes store. Are you familiar with this out in France? No, please. Yeah, I, I know about Payless, but tell me the story. So um, this was before I believe they went bankrupt. And so what happened was they did an experiment out in France where they took the, the inventory from a Payless shoes and they mm -hmm. just rebranded the entire store as a high end shoe store. And they marked everything up significantly. In some places, it was up by like 300 percent, the upcharge. And not only did people go into the store they ended up having more sales in the store just in raw inventory, leaving the store, not even talking about the actual yeah. amount that was spent on those shoes. So just in the presentation alone and, and the way that you try to differentiate your, your product or rather try to help. And I, again, I don't mean to go back to the, the idea of results, not necessarily looking at the quantifiable results, but also the emotional result you're trying to attach yeah. to your, your, your prospect. If you can Absolutely. help them see that really special thing, in this case, them wearing a sexy pair of shoes that makes them right. feel good because it's from an expensive store that they can now you know, brag about that how expensive their shoes were. 
Oh, that makes them feel mm-hmm. good. Little do they know they're walking around probably in $17 shoes from Payless. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and maybe that's the concept with libertarianism that, that is extremely important to understand is that when if we present our ideas just as they are as ideas, they are sort of very simplistic and pay less shoes in their way. They're very hands off. Don't do anything. Let natural order take its place and good things come about because we, we have a lot of faith in people. But people want to feel some sort of emotional satisfaction like they're doing something or getting so and that's why you see these ideas from both the right and the left where they push for authoritarianism or they push for government intervention that they they come with this emotional satisfaction and good feeling almost that comes with it like i'm doing something so then the question becomes well how do we give them that with are ideas and one of the ways that you can help do that is is with framing um i uh think one really easy example to talk about is when you talk about the second amendment i cringe now when i hear people talk about gun rights uh it, it it just it why would anybody fight for the right of a gun exactly there's nothing emotionally attaching there you're putting the very scary thing out in front with gun and you're framing all your conversations about a right to own a fire something that is designed to kill people right if instead we were to shift that conversation to the right to self-defense and only speak in terms of saying well it's a right to defense uh I, that immediately changes people's perception because now rather than them thinking of a weapon as an offensive thing, they think of it essentially as a defensive. And now you can start to have better conversations. It's not, why do I need an AR-15? Uh, it's because, well, I, you know, I have better stability. If somebody were to break in my house in the middle of the night, I feel safer protecting my family with this. When things are presented in a very defensive way rather than an offensive way, that that helps and that that's one way that reframing can happen is stop talking about gun rights start talking about a right to self-defense what are yeah, you well and re in and reframing away from the conversation about the the object right or so we, we talk about this the features and benefits versus the actual yeah. like yeah right so you're, you're you're trying to get away from that feature <clears throat> in benefiting people to death where you know you're talking about in this case you know well the specificities of why you need an ar-15 versus name gun or you know you go into the the details of well did you know that most uh, gun crimes are actually committed with pistols uh and if you start to go into the the you know the stats and figures and you try to to out out smart them to death and, and out yeah. evidence them to death you're not going to get anywhere because you're right. not hitting on the actual issue at hand and that is to your point jeremy is the self-defense issue and if you can start to tailor it with the emotional attachment and that right there i think is where sometimes libertarians do we, we drop the ball a lot is we mm-hmm. we want to avoid the emotional conversations but emotions are one of the driving factors that motivates people to make buying decisions. And if yeah. we're ignoring that entirely and we're only going in with the facts and figures and, and we try to good idea people to death, we're just going to get resistance and pushback at, at the onset because we're not entering into those conversations that they're likely already having. And why are they having those conversations? Because those conversations are striking them in some emotional way that's forcing yeah. that to be a top of mind issue. Yeah, it's pushed it sort of to the front. 
Right. Um, look, this is another um, parallel that uh, came to mind thinking about this. When I say football helmet, what do you think of defensive or offensive? I mean, I was a defensive player. At the right, heart, so. but but the but I guess the 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 helmet itself is it a defensive? It's a defensive. Or yeah, it's defensive. Right. You never use your However, helmet. here's yeah. the thing. However, there are entire rule structures now about using your helmet in an offensive way. So it when we frame the gun argument similarly as no, these are good. It's the same helmet. And it's positive if you use it defensively, but it's negative if you use it offensively. And you can absolutely use a football helmet offensively, uh, e even during the natural course of the game. It's the same thing with a gun argument. If it's used defensively only, well, then it can be a positive, uh, you know, a piece of equipment. It was essentially what it is. However, the moment you start to use it offensively, now you've broke, you've violated the NAP according to libertarians, and there can be rules and, and repercussions against using things offensively. But those already exist. They already exist, right? We don't need more rules and regulations to create that. We don't need a, a targeting penalty on top of a uh, unnecessary roughness penalty on top of a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Sounds like right? a Cowboys like, game where you're watching G's. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's it, it's like no those things are already illegal so if you talk to people that are in sort of the anti-gun camp or the gun regulation camp their emotional satisfaction is coming from well these weapons are being used offensively for harm and so you have to kind of have that in-depth conversation with them about look this is a tool that can be used offensively and defensively we already have the laws and rules in place to prevent it from being used offensively and, and when it is those people are punished and let's think too what are some of like get away from the guns themselves yeah go to let's go to the our in that world i'm gonna say our opponents right the the, the anti um, we'll say I'm just going to use the, the term, you know, Second Amendment, gun rights, self-defense in this general conversation here. The, the best arguments you've heard against that have been always driven through an emotional appeal. Right. Very emotional, and that's right. And, and let's be real here. That's almost exclusively why you see a push nationally for gun control conversations right after a school shooting immediately. Right after a school shooting because it's a top of mind issue and mm -hmm. it's hitting people on an emotional trigger that's going to give them a little bit of a nudge in this case to make a switch maybe right to make that right. that status quo a little uneasy where they're considering alternative solutions especially if it hits close to home right if you mm -hmm. were a, a parent of a kid who is in first through third grade in 2012 sandy hook probably hit you pretty hard Right. Yeah. So if it, it may have impacted the way that you approached an issue based on the emotional connection you saw with that issue. So we have to take that into mind when we're talking about the issues that people are currently talking about, because mm -hmm. if we're approaching things already through the, the, the logic, the facts and the figures, and we're not even talking the emotional appeal, how do we think we're even going to get on their radar when we're not even in the same stratosphere? Yeah. And the way that you can make those emotional connections is by t taking that conversation and reframing it in uh, a different way. I, I think a lot of times in sales, what uh, just the simple switch between talking about price and, inv and calling something an investment instead, 
Um, yes. You know, for instance, you're working on a big deal, nearly half a million dollars. Um, I if you if you throw out the price of half a million dollars, people are gonna kind of get some sicker shock there because price is a negative like you're taking from me right but if i'm taking that half a million dollars and i'm investing it i'm expecting to get something back in return for it yep. so similarly changing that language in the way that we approach things is very effective at sort of dealing with those emotions that people go through in the on, on these issues and in that buying process um, I want to get your thoughts on uh, when people talk about, well, we just both went through COVID, right? Yep. Uh, when we talk about mandates or somebody who is maybe in the uh, pro-mandate, sort of pro, uh, you know, pushing the vaccine camp on somebody who uh, doesn't. What are some ways that you have been reframing that as when you're called an anti-vaxxer or somebody who just wants to kill grandma, right? How do you reframe that to talk about, no, this is actually my position? Great question, Jeremy, because this is this is the conversation we're having right now, yeah. right? This this is yeah. the, the we're sitting on the, the dinner table. You know, you have the in-law maybe ask you the question. You have mm -hmm. the crazy aunt ask you the question. You have the grandma ask you the question and you don't you, you maybe you don't feel prepared to have the, the, the conversation. So I think it's first important to start out with who are you talking to? If it is somebody who is genuinely concerned for your well-being, right? And they're doing it on uh, truly out of the kindness of your heart, right? Then have the conversation in a non-emotional way, like listen to them, let them talk to you, but still be firm in your convictions. But if it is somebody who is actively going out of their way to like this is this is beyond a public health thing for them. This is now, you know, their political agenda. Yeah. Candidly, and this is just my my philosophy, they're not our market. So let's yeah. not even engage in the conversation with them, but rather let's overcome the objections that they're likely going to raise and in doing that, we are in a, in essence reframing the conversation. We're we're resetting yeah. the narrative. So if I ever have, you know, the, the opportunity to talk to somebody who is more open minded. Right. And, and they're just genuinely asking me questions. Brian, it, you know, you just went through covid, but I know you're against the mandates. Tell me why you can then in your response, either a go down a path of education based on the person you're talking to or B, if they're going to be a little pushback and you can tell that they're, they're maybe testing a little bit you can then start to play the role of question master. And the better questions right. you can ask to figure out how they've gotten to where they are in their, their stance, right? Their position, the better you can understand of how they got to where they are, the better you can understand of how it is you can need to reverse engineer. So I would start off by figuring out who it is that you're talking to, number one. And then number two, understand how the person you, you're speaking to got to where they are. So you have to take control of the conversation and know that that's your goal in the questions you're asking. Ask pointed questions. So you, well, you know, tell me, Jeremy, I, I understand that you, you, you're you curious about my thoughts on the, the vaccine. Man. I'm just curious, what's your position? And, and how did yeah. you get to that to where you are today? Let them explain their position. And as you go through and you start to establish a set of really, they're <clears> establishing <throat> the facts for you. You can then take what they're talking about and the way that they present the information and then weave it back to through. And really, if you start to weave the world of what they presented as the information, plus there's an underlying sense of understood morals and values, which I, I think the person we're talking to is in that kind of open market mind, mindset. 
they're the people that we should be reaching out to because they're they're going to be on the same maybe moral playing field as we are. And I would say this the people who are just kind of open to understanding that what's been happening over the past two years isn't isn't the way forward. The people who are out there in the complete opposite, though, I don't understand why we waste our time, why we waste our efforts. Yeah. And, and candidly, that's where I think we're going to have a lot more success is instead of just going out and trying to present all of our information about how right we've been, we need to instead go ahead and really hit the people on the emotional things that they've been focusing on, that they've been having the conversations about. So going back to your yeah. original question, Jeremy, I don't think we need to have the the the, uh, the, the debates, the arguments, and really sure. play defense. I think we can almost take it's like you don't go in and sell to your competitor, right? I'm in the greater yeah. telecommunication cybersecurity industry. I'm not going to pick up the phone and call one of my top competitors trying to sell them a hosted unified communications uh, platform, right? That's just, that wouldn't make sense. So right. somebody who is completely vehemently against our way of doing things and our way of thinking, right? I, I don't even see them as a viable customer. And in this case, right. you know, somebody who's going to be on our team, they can maybe change at some point and there's going to be trigger events that will likely happen in their world and and things always change right that that's just yeah. life so as things change in their world and whatever that might be we can you know touch back in and see where they are and if there is an opportunity to bring them onto the, the conversation we can do that then but know who our market is i think is gonna be the most important thing here and then with that focusing on asking really really good questions to reverse engineer how they got to where they are yeah i i i agree that's uh, that is the process 101 um so one of the things I think that COVID has really revealed about uh, libertarians is that we're not very good at understanding the difference between what we should be allowed to do and what, what we have a right to do and what is right to do. Um, and I think yes. this came up a lot of times. Um, it, it's 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 could versus should. And then the other one is if if our and this 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 really got to me. And I, I think I, I you know some some people in the LP might catch some flack on this for me. But uh, Marshall Burt, our highest elected libertarian right now, uh, state senator in uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Wyoming, mm. voted for a bill. Uh, and he was very uh, emotional when he voted for it that or, or voted against a bill that would basically fire him from his job. Basically, he was protecting a private company's rights to enforce vaccine mandates. And he said, this is going to cost me my job. And I think there is a point where we have to look at our principles, but also the intentions of our principles. And the intentions of our principles are to increase individual freedom, increase individual liberty. And so if our principles decrease individual liberty when applied, perhaps we need to take a look at, is this a situation of what we have a right to do versus what is right to do? And how do you have that conversation with somebody when you're like, or at least this is how I have that conversation with folks. I go, 
Look, the reality is, is the vaccines were probably six months too slow. It probably shouldn't have taken as long for them to come to market as they did. People should have had the ability to inject this stuff. If I believe somebody has a right to inject heroin into their body, I think they should have a right to inject Pfizer's experimental vaccine into their body too, right? So I, I think you know, on one hand, the vaccine was probably six months too slow being rolled out. But on the other hand, uh, the idea of mandating and forcing people to consume it is also a problem. So um, there, there is a, a great I, a concept of what you have a right to do and what is right to do and how those two can conflict. How do you have or what are some conversations where you've been in that situation where you're like, look, you have a right to inject yourself with heroin. It's your body. You own your bodily autonomy, but it is not the right thing to do and you should not be doing it on children's playgrounds and, you know, whatever the conversation leads to. Yeah, well, I mean, let's go back to something that's really personal for me, and that is, uh, you know, I used to be really, really morbidly obese. I was 385 pounds. I was a big guy. And yeah. um, my my behavior was, you know, it was killing me. <laughs> I was I was literally eating myself to death. And it took a really good personal family doctor to sit me down and be like, Brian, you're 17, you're going to kill yourself by just <laughs> eating yourself to death. Yeah. And and after I I took that really to heart and I, I made a big change, I lost 180 pounds of, of fat over about a two and a half year period. And um, it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But it, it jump started me into like the, the fitness world or just you know, the idea of not just living a healthy lifestyle, but also helping show other people who are facing those challenges that they can do it too. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. value that that brings to them in terms of living a better life. And right there, I will never mandate that somebody needs to go to the gym, you know, three to five times a week based on, right. you know, their, their fitness level. I'm never going to mandate that somebody has to have a certain BMI or be able to bench press a certain weight. That, that, that'd be insanity. But at the same point in time, if you look at the, the counter of what some other people have been proposing, they would love nothing more than to force your average person to, in this case, take an experimental vaccine, an MRA, uh, mRNA yeah. vaccine. And, and that right there, I think, is an argument that we don't even need to enter into because from a just a complete moral standpoint, it is absurd in its face. And if we present it as such, as such an absurd notion, we can then back to what we were talking about before. Instead of just uh, addressing the narrative and entering into that that framing they presented, we can reframe the conversation and then in that perspective, almost reset that narrative. Absolutely. And, and Did that answer your so question? I hope it, it did. It did. No, okay. I, think, I think you had a, a really great story about should versus could, but... So these we, we enter these libertarian arguments all the time about like what is libertarian and uh, we had there, <laughs> yes, we there was one right there was and, and uh, the reality is people don't care what is and isn't libertarian so the does it matter is honestly it doesn't it doesn't matter so it does uh, it does but like do, does do the not, conversation matter no right no it does not matter in what uh people are looking for as far as their solutions they want outcomes like you you mentioned earlier but so for uh you know they, they'll say well it's not libertarian to uh, we, we 
I don't even want to acknowledge it because I literally don't care about it. But everybody, we, we, we've had this spat about freaking immigration now for, for two months, right? Yeah, And on one hand, it, we're, we're talking about, and what's happening is people in this conversation are talking past one another. Yep. In that... Um, they don't want to. They don't hand, want to have a resolution. They want to be right. <laughs> exactly. It's not. Uh, it, it, and but the the real difference is between what does somebody have a right to do and what is right to do. So on one hand, it's it's my belief system that you know maybe it is right to not restrict people based on borders. Right. Uh, I I would see that as me potentially restricting their individual liberty. However. Uh, there are other people who have paid taxes, who have done these things, who have, who, what, if you're going to force them to pay for something, they should get a say in what happens to that public domain and property. Jer- and Jeremy, like are that. you, are you telling me <clears throat> that there are lots and lots and lots <laughs> of variables that go into certain issues that make so issues many. a lot more than simple right. black and white? Yes, yes. no, I, how shocking is that for libertarians oh, to come to this revelation that maybe it's not a conversation of are you open borders of, or closed borders, but rather can you be a rational, logical, thinking human being with critical thinking skills and approach each individual situation as what it is, an individual situation? Right. Yes, yeah, but no, we're not interested in that. We're interested in finding the real the real libertarian in the room. Who's the real libertarian? Please stand um, up. The entire you know, room stands up. Th- this is the way that I feel about it is that, again, it com- comes back to libertarianism is a set of principles. And, and then it's the, ap- the the different applications of those principles. And there are a lot of uh, debates and arguments where good people who are libertarians can use libertarian principles to justify a couple different things and we we get these debates and i think it's very silly if our goal is growth to try and settle those debates in order to like but because it it takes away from what the the mission right now should be we are the minority and so what i want is i want to introduce these principles to people and then have them decide how they feel about immigration Rather than tell them this is what our principles say about immigration, now decide if you agree with our principles, right? It, it's it, let them embrace the ideology and then explore these things on their own is the way that like, I feel. About. I don't want somebody deciding if they are a libertarian or not because of how they feel about immigration or how they feel about drugs or how they feel about this one issue. I want them to say this package of principles makes sense to me. Now what I'm going to do is go through and explore each individual one. This just made me think of just <clears throat> imagine, right? Just imagine this situation. You're you're a, um, a CIO in a company, a chief mm-hmm. information officer uh, for those playing the home game at a company. And one of my reps back when I led my sales team, because now I'm back into enterprise sales. Yeah, baby. Um, but one of my sales teams called in and they said, hi, Mr. CIO. My company is ABC Corporation. We service companies between 50 and 5,000 employees uh, between, you know, three and 30 locations. And they just list off all the different kind of organizations we could help and what who we are. And then just left it at that. Right. Hey, do you think that based on who we are, you want to do business with us? 
what does that matter? Mm -hmm. What does who right. we are mm -hmm. matter to how we can help the, the prospect, right? And that right yeah. there is where we, we lose the argument all the time because when, when people just hear us regurgitating how awesome we are and what our ideas are, which we know how awesome yeah. we are, let's be real. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it all the time, but rather instead of just focusing on preaching principles and talking in that principle speak, we have to re reframe our language. We have to speak the language of our customers. In this case, the people who aren't already libertarian. Gasp, yes. I know, shocking. Um, <laughs> that there are people that we should talk to who aren't already libertarian. And with that, yeah. They are not already speaking the, the language of our principles. So when we're going mm -hmm. in and just talking about how great we are on these certain principles, mm -hmm. it's white noise. So, yeah, yeah that's fun. Yeah, it, it, no, <laughs> it, you're, 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 you're a thousand percent correct on that. Um, it, it, and reframing it comes back to, well, it, what is the, um, it, it, and I think you hit on it, and I, I think we can wrap on that as a final thought in that <clears throat> we have to continue to remember that even though we live in sort of this libertarian liberty movement bubble, our conversations have to at some point turn outward. Yep. And we have to start having conversations with one another even as because it, it's like when you go to the office and you're around a sales team, um, there's a little bit of talk about sports, there's a little bit of talk about life, but there's a whole lot of talk about work, right? You're talking shop around the water cooler. What did you say in this? But you know, you talk about your customers, you talk about your approaches, you talk about what you do. And if we as libertarians ever want to be successful, we have to have that water cooler conversation with each other where we're sharpening the ax, where we're getting better. And rather than having these intellectual philosophical debates that don't change anything in the world, um, we, we talk about how we're having these outward conversations with people and then focus our energy, like you said, on having conversations with people who are not libertarians because having deeper conversations with libertarians at this point who already get it isn't going to change the world. And if our goal is to change the world, we have to change more people around us. Um, and that's something we'll be presenting at uh, conventions. I, I'm going to call it the rule of two. It's very pyramid scheme looking, but it's the reality that each one teach one if we take it over over 12 months did, so did you so if everybody who voted for Joe Jorgensen which was Yeah, hear this. Oh, right, hear hear this. If everybody who voted for Joe Jorgensen were to have a conversation and convince two people over the next 2 years or, or over the next year and then that group another two people over the next 2 years within one cycle by 2024 mm -hmm. i believe we are at almost six million votes and then if you go through one more cycle we're over 35 percent we've completely wrecked the entire so it's that simple about having and winning one or two hearts uh and if we just focus on that and i'm saying that about external conversations bingo we, <laughs> rather than internal conversations yes. So that's my final thought. Any other final thoughts for you, sir? 
Uh, housekeeping. Um, I will be up yeah. in Wakusha, Wisconsin on February sixteenth. Uh, no, February ninth. Wait, no, it is the sixteenth. I can do math. Yeah, the sixteenth. And I, I can also read a calendar. Believe it or not, too. Um, David Bellman from Bellman Homes. He was on the program. Um, and great, great, uh, great mentor and awesome, awesome podcast. Uh, over on his show. Um, I think it's called Your 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 Home Building Hero. Um, but anyways, long story short, he is a part of a networking group called Young Guns up in the uh, northern Midwest. And I am one of three speakers who will be going up and I'm going to be covering how to protect your uh, uh, your business from uh, both cybersecurity threats, but also from big tech censorship. Uh, so if you're up in the uh, Midwest, please head over to Eventbrite and search uh, Young Guns Winter Summit and uh, 2022. And I'll be uh, one of the featured uh, speakers there. I think the tickets are on sale now through the next two weeks. So make sure you go ahead and get that. Um, also, I will be doing a presentation for Young Voices um, on how to help sell your podcast. Um, so uh, Caleb Franz, great friend, and also working over at uh, Young Voices, uh, reached out. So I will be doing a presentation there that following, I think it's that Friday, which is the the eight no the 19th i'm sorry that's saturday um that saturday the 19th so uh, if anybody's interested from young voices um or if they're interested in joining young voices which is a great opportunity to go ahead and become a better speaker a better writer in the greater liberty movement um especially for those in obviously the the younger demographic please feel free to reach out to uh caleb franz he can point you in the right direction um but then final thoughts for for today's episode jeremy besides the the housekeeping and events and stuff um number one i'm super excited to hit the ground running here because February is going to be really where we're taking what we we set the groundwork for in 2021 uh, mm-hmm. with having you in the show, with having Chris in the show, with, with building out the network that we've been working on growing here for the past now at the Brian Nichols show for over four years. And we're really going to blow this thing up because as we talked about on the show today, we're hearing the conversations not just in the greater liberty movement, but across really the, the world starting to change. And the reason people are starting to ask more questions is because as as we've started to speak truth consistently, it, it gets hard to silence the truth speakers because mm-hmm. after a while, you, you can only have a narrative running for so long that can captivate so many people at one given time where your average person will start to wake up and say, this person has been saying the same thing this entire time and they've seemingly been shown to be right and and one look no further than ron paul authenticity sells so i would challenge um as we go there you go that's right um i would challenge everyone today who's listening to the episode to please do jeremy and i a favor and and that is to go ahead and make it a point to make sure you're going out and you're talking to other individuals who are going to go out and help grow this movement beyond just going and talking in our echo chambers and really try to make the world a better place. Because right now we are in one of the biggest trigger event moments of our lifetimes where people are asking so many questions. Let's be the people there to have some answers, but also in return, make sure we're asking phenomenal questions, focusing on the issues they care about and make sure we're addressing not just the features and the benefits, but rather focusing on the positive outcomes and solutions for not us, but for our customer. Jeremy, that's my final thoughts for the show. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Yes. Go out, take on the world. This is a very unique opportunity where people are starting to see that the uh, tyranny of government 
is against the people and we are starting to rise up. The moment is now. Have those conversations. Do not be afraid. Talk to coworkers. Talk to friends. Talk to family. Be brave. Tell the truth. But do it in a smart way. And if you want to know how to do the smart way, plug your ebook. Yes, we have four easy steps you can implement now to help sell Liberty to friends and family. By the way, that's a, a free tool that you will go ahead and uh, download. Also, if you sign up for my morning sales huddle, which is a uh, every single week, Monday through Friday around ballpark, 5 to 7 a.m. or so, I send over a morning email to my email subscribers, which is going through literally the basics of sales and marketing as they pertain to our greater political world. But also, if you're just an average run-of-the-mill sales pro executive who's trying to get your game stepped up a notch, that's also where we're talking about things that are working right now in uh, in real-life sales, things I'm using when I'm reaching out to prospects, things I taught my team that were helped us get to 43% of my entire company's revenue. These methods work. Nice. So uh, if folks are interested, yes, sign up over at briannicholshow.com. You can sign up for the ebook right there. And also uh, you'll be uh, signed up for the morning sales huddle. Thank you, Jeremy. Absolutely. I'm glad you remembered to plug my book. I would have yeah. So, yeah. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> well, uh, appreciate it. Glad to be back, my man. Yes. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, folks. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian and J.